0: What's this? A UK Packer podcast of a Friday? Wait, that's right. What we're doing is—is is we hated to leave yous of a Friday, so we wanted to give yous some best bits, some of our favorite podcasts, some of our celebrity episodes, some of our interviews, but more importantly, we're gonna kick this thing all off with our very first history podcast. But don't worry, we're gonna be back on Monday as usual with the brand new content podcast. For now, sit back, relax. And enjoy one of the golden oldies.
1: What the hell's going on out here? I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching a game. Game. game.
0: Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packer podcast. It's your host, at NFL again. And uh, follow me on Twitter, at Uh Follow the group, at UK Packers, And as usual of a monday i have my buddy old pal my partner in crime the other co-founder of the uk packers group ryan peacock at ryan peacock nfl I'll give him a follow as well ryan how's it going
1: uh good thanks much preferred that introduction to the last one you gave me so glad you've been working on it
0: i just want to clear it up right because i don't want people to think because I, I already have the nickname here what's my nickname here in uh, uk packer hq prime time prime time right now i don't want people to think that the prime time is because i like to you know step on people and sort of you know flashy show off that that was actually devised by ryan because you know we're the banter kings we have to have a bit of panther.
1: well yeah and and it just works it just sounds good
0: oh yeah oh yeah and you're the bailiff if anyone wants to know because of your large stature so you know i think ryan you know eventually when we get recognized and pull over to america to do a full-time radio show it's going to not be the uk packer podcast it's surely going to be like the the prime time bailiff show or the bailiff and prime time show that's something that we, well it's going to have to be the prime time and bailiff show because i'm prime time i'm, I'm a diva
1: <laughs> you got to go first yeah Absolutely, i get it yeah, yeah. and you okay. know
0: but then you'll go into the back room with the organizers and say here listen you should probably pay me more so although i'll be flashy coming in with the ray-bans you're probably going to get paid more than me
1: yeah the, the quiet the quiet guy in the background just getting just getting the dollars. quite silent type
0: but um <laughs> i think this week what we're going to do and again it's kind of a bit of a treat it's something that the two of us wanted to do for a long time now is release a, a sort of a history series of podcasts um and we were going to make it a small five ten minute but after consulting with some of you lovely people out there in pack nation it was sort of seen that you know if you see a five ten minute podcast you're like ah, what's the point in downloading it so what we're going to try to do over the next while is is get some packers history for your ears right so we've picked like we're going to take it right back right back to the very start now again the packer purists out there are going to say i oh, know it all and they're going to jump in and probably try correct us or jump in and say oh you missed this thing so this isn't meant to be all inclusive is it ryan like this is meant to be just a fun little you know walk back through let's jump into the delorean and go back in time
1: yeah i mean obviously i i've, I've... Having uh, having been to over to Green Bay, been in in the Hall of Fame, and been in all the things over there, um, you know, there is a lot of stuff that we do know, you know, and there is a lot of things that every Packers fan knows. And what we've tried to do is take an era, and then find something that maybe we didn't know, and then share it with you guys. And and, and as Steve said, some of you may turn around and go, I "Can't believe you didn't know that." Um, others of you may be the same as us and didn't know. So we're just going to see how it goes. We're going to see how this grows, and uh, uh, hopefully, we'll have some fun doing it.
0: Yeah, because I mean, to start off the green bay packers and again if you're listening to this you're more than likely a packers fan if you're not you're just an nfl fan who's interested or you found us on itunes because we did great as the top nfl podcast on itunes and we have to thank everybody out there keep following keep subscribing listening and giving us reviews but i think even if you're a bears fan right now and you're listening to the podcast you know you can hardly deny that the packers probably have the best story in sports and i would say not probably i would say definitely would you agree with that ryan
1: uh yeah i mean obviously we're slightly biased but i'm going yeah
0: because i mean if we look back at the history right green bay and this way i love it as an irishman and i like to wax lyrical about being irish right but what i love about american football and green bay is is that when american football started it was a brutal game it was kind of like how rugby was seen when it started people were like what are you people you know you could die what are you doing and it was just if we go right back to the very start of american football in the mix back in the late 1800s right is Little Green Bay because there was a guy Fred Holbert was his name right, and he played in Beaver Dam. Loved American football, mad about it right. He went back to Green Bay and he wanted to keep it going. Wanted to play. So what Holbert did right, he thought to himself, who is mad enough to play this insane sport now? Like everybody who watches the sport now, if you're new to the sport, or even if you watched it from the 60s, even, I mean. God, time has changed. I mean, I was talk. We have a podcast coming up uh, on Friday. It's our celebrity podcast where I kick Ryan out of the studio, unfortunately, and pull in, you know, a celebrity. And the, the celebrity we got was was a guy called Michael Graham. And he now he's a controversial guy, so be prepared. He does go into politics, and we apologize in advance. But he was talking about nanofibers and all this stuff that you can do now with concussions. Back then, you just murdered somebody, right? So this guy, Fred Holbert, decided, I want to play NFL, but who out there is bat crazy to play this game and who did he go for irishman right so he goes across to the bad part of town to green bay's west side he picks the sons of irish railroad workers and says to them lads now the story now they say right in in folklore and green bay history the story goes these guys like to fight they're irish right they love to fight they even love to fight now it's the old cliche it's the old story Us, us irish we drink we fight and that's the way it was back then he got these guys and they were just basically thugs and said to them lads you can beat the lard out of each other but i'll teach you some rules so you can do it on a pitch and apparently one of the stories goes is one of the early dudes uh, on the team turned around and said oh my god i love american football because you can beat seven shades out of somebody and not get thrown in jail so that's the type of guys you're dealing with and ryan that's why i love the story of the green bay packers because in wisconsin and green bay back at the time it was these irish it was these paddies who were rattled onto the field and they just ran over people
1: well yeah i mean your countrymen have been known for their fighting skills so it was a good i think it was a good uh scouting mission to be honest
0: yeah and i mean that's where when curly lambo put the word out because it's amazing right green bay never almost never happened so if you want to go back uh to 1919 let's go a little bit further because 1919 was when curly Lambeau set up the team but in 1918 was when all of this stuff stuff started to you know really form uh, Curly Lambeau himself. Uh, now they say Notre Dame, right? But Notre Dame. Let's get it straight here. So he went to Notre Dame, and uh, he was meant to be a fantastic. He was an, an athletic freak, right? Curly Lambeau. For those, now I'm not going to say who those who didn't know him because I was not there back in 1919, right? Contrary to popular belief. Um, so he was. He was. He, this guy was crazy. He was an athletic freak. He was the cocky, he was he was the original prime time. He's the guy I model myself on, right? This guy, he was the original cocky guy, good with the ladies, you know, he was all about the pomp, prime time way going on. He was a charmer, you know, and he was, he was being credited with the Green Bay's longevity in the 20s, which is the era that we're talking about, 1919 to 1930, right? He was credited with keeping the franchise going because he kind of stuck his neck out and had the, you know, cojones to go and say to people, give me money and, you know, get money for the franchise so this guy played for notre dame notre dame brilliant came back to green bay he was a green bay boy he got bad tonsillitis right now this is how the green bay packers almost never started he got tonsillitis he went to his family doctor family doctor said to him earl which was his actual name he said earl you're not going back to Notre Dame. You're going to stay here until the infection dies down because I need to whip these tonsils out. So he said, "Right, fine, whatever." So he stayed. Right now, again, the infection had died down and the doctor could get in there and you know take body parts out. Uh, it turned out that it was too late for him to go back to college. So he said, "Right, screw it. That's fine. I'll, I'll stick stick around." So he went to the Indian Packing Company, and he went to them and got a job. And he was earning two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Now he thought. This was the be-all and end-all. So he didn't want to go back to to Notre Dame after that. He wanted to stay in town. But he was an athletic freak. He was brilliant at American football. And so this was well-known. So he still wanted to do something about it. So believe it or not, the Green Bay Press-Gazette was still going back then. And the sports editor was a guy, um, George Whitney Calhoun. And it just happened, right, that, Cur- again, all of the stuff with the Packers, and this is why it's brilliant, it's just a matter of stories where people bump into each other, right? Now, I apologise out there if people are sick of hearing my voice already, right? But let me just give you the rundown. So, Curly and uh, George Whitney Calhoun met in the street, and he w- they were just shooting the breeze, and Calhoun knew about, you know, that Curly was good at uh, american football I said to him hey you know I, you know you're gonna keep at it or, or what are you doing you're going back to notre dame Curly said "Nah, i don't really want to go back to notre dame i want to stick around earn the money here at the indian packing company so he said hey like go go to them go to your bosses and say to them you know give me money we'll set up a team and of course they were interested because they're thinking you know the green bay packers back then were the indian packing company team so they sponsored them they gave them 500 dollars for jerseys and but for in order to, for them to get players george whitney calhoun said here i'll tell you what i'm the sports editor as you know of the green bay press gazette i'll release sort of a little notice and get some players in so 25 thugs come in 25 hard ass players come in and they join the first team and from then they practiced three times a week and such the packers were born now the indian packing company themselves were to shut down halfway through the packers first season so they were taken over by the acme packing company so they went from being the indian packers to just the Green Bay Packers from the Acme Packers, and that's why all the throwback jerseys have Acme Packers on it, which is pretty cool gear. So, Ryan, when you went over with the boys to Green Bay last year, it was throwback weekend, and all the lads came back with the Acme Packers stuff, didn't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, I'll tell you what, it's very strange to sit there and watch a game, um, a game where your teams are green and gold, and, and you sit there watching the blue and gold, but yeah. it's a real smart jersey, and it, it looks good on the field. Um, if you, like, Again, if you go into the you know into into the stadium and you do the tours then you see the uh you know the real old jerseys and it has to be said and i think you touched on it um the, the safety of back then i mean these guys must have been crazy oh yeah they, i mean we we've had recently people talking about this the the quality of the helmets and concussions and so on you see a helmet from back then it's it's uh it's a thinnish piece of leather yeah no and it was it's, no
0: protection like
1: and it's it, yeah you basically there was no point in wearing it they, they didn't particularly wear anything under their under their tops they just wore a few maybe ex, extra jerseys underneath a couple of sweaters underneath that was it i mean and those guys don't get me wrong they're still hitting each other just as hard as they do these days it's, it, it was crazy how anybody got through a game let alone a season is unreal
0: yeah because we have to remember as well i mean back then it was not a quarterback league it was a it was a running league and in fact I know you're gonna to touch on him later, uh, George Halas of the, originally the, the Chicago Staley's, then they became the Chicago Bears in 1922. He invented the T formation. So before then it was literally, you know, you, you're up at the line and you're just bashing, running into each other, right? Um. So again, like th- this Packer story, it's a fairy tale. Like it, from its beginning, from 1919 and 1920, they didn't play in what is now known as the NFL. Um, They moved into that league and it was called the American Professional Football Association that was created, um, you know, and moved and changed its name then to the NFL in 1922. So it was created in 1921, became the NFL in 1922. So in 1919 and 1920, uh, the Packers were kind of just playing, not kind of, they were just playing teams that were just local, small town teams. um, And they just, they bet them up and down the field. Like their first season in 1919, they were 10 and 1. In 1920, they were nine, one, and one. So they were unanimous victors. And it's brilliant. If you look at the team sheets from 1919 and 1920, and this is why I love the Irish angle, right? So I'm biased, uh, but I'll admit it, right? L- listen to the team sheet. And I'm only going to call out the lads who sound Irish to me. Jim Coffeen, Dutch Dwyer, Riggy Dwyer, Jen Gallagher. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. Like even um, Wally La- uh, Ladro or uh, Ladro, as you call him over here, Wes Leeper, Andy Muldoon, you know, Orlo Wiley McLean, Sam Powers, you know, it sounds like you could go into County Meath in Ireland now, pick out you know the team of second-class students, and you're going to get the same names that were on the 1919 and 1920 Packers team. So they did a phenomenal 1919, 1920. They joined the you know what is to become the NFL, um, and they weren't to get a winning season till you know 1929. But then they did the treble, so they did 1929, 1930, and 1931 and curly lambo at that stage was the head coach and again don't get it you know don't get it twisted don't get it twisted here like curly lambo at that stage although it was seen you know people looked at pro sports back then not the same as they do now not with that adoration they kind of scoffed at it and thought it was an embarrassment but by the time it reached you know the late 20s people were really starting to take it seriously and curly lambo like you know he was a big figure he was going into nightclubs and all this type of stuff and people are like oh the world famous world head coach of the green bay packers so He became a big deal, and I'll finish up the sort of overall roundup, and we'll get into some of the nuts and bolts of it a bit, but try not to bore people either, that, um, you know, Green Green Bay football is a big deal. If you look at all the teams that were playing back then, there were nobodies. None of them are around anymore. The Green Bay Packers are the only small-town team left as time went on and as money became tight and as the Great Depression kicked in, all these teams just disintegrated, right? If you look at some of the teams that they played from the very start, you have the Men- Menominee North End AC. You have New London. You have Sheboygan Company, uh, Racine. You know, like Oshkosh Professionals, Chicago Chiller AC. Like the, You know, they don't exist anymore. And the Green Bay Packers were little minnows like that. The Mil- Milwaukee Lapham AC it sounds like something that you're reading off a team sheet you know and fourth tier English football you know like Scunthorpe United and you know Wherever's Ville you know it, it's just there are uh, nobodies but Green Bay Packer football is so important and it was saved so many times by the local vendors around Green Bay given the team money to keep them afloat because Ryan you were in Green Bay like how much is there to do in the in the little town of Green Bay is there is there much going on?
1: Well uh, there there are cert- certainly different things going on there's probably had a lot more today than there was you know back then yeah. um i mean they do say it's it's a town that's completely in its, it's in existence because of its football team um there's a you can almost you, you can imagine how that must have been back then um as that thing grew and maybe maybe not in so much in the 20s but further on um i mean these days you know there's the there's the basketball team. There's the blizzard. Uh, there's you know the college teams that are, are near and about. The high yeah. school football's big. Um, I think there's even a zoo down in Green Bay. Not that I found it, but um, there's lots and lots of stuff there now. But it's still very much the only thing of great importance. Is still the football team
0: because the whole town basically goes asleep. And what they say is, is that everyone moves in game day and move back out. But the important thing, and, and let's, let's bring it back then to the old times of the flat cap and the 1920s. Back then, this was so important to people and the reason was, and if you go back, right, and do this if you're listening to the podcast, go back and search 1920s Packers under Google pics or whatever and you'll find uh, the audience. So they had bleachers at the old stadium Uh, the hagenmeister stadium and they were very uncomfortable but this was the main event this was like the matinee it was like the theater people went down so you'd sit down on these bleachers and they were really uncomfortable uh you know Ron, you were over in green bay it's a cold place so the the women would have their stoles on and their big fluffy hats and at halftime you'd be freezing right now i've went to leinster rugby games here in ireland And again, it's the same sort of, it's a similar season. They run the season over the winter, which is crazy. So I I was sitting there and you'd have people at the Leinster Rugby Games bringing duvets and hot water bottles and hot whiskey. People would be half drunk going home. So that's the same way as it was back in 1920s. It's it's similar to the way it is now. You know, it's very, very cold. You you know, you don't see many pictures of people with their tops off in Green Bay with go pack go on them. Now you do see them, right? But they're usually overweight because they can handle it. So, you know, that's the way it was back then. So it was a big deal for people. This was a big social event. And this is why the Packers were so important to people. They were the best dressed people in town. You'd go down and the women would be in all their finery. The men would be dressed up in their suits and their top hats. And at halftime, it was a normal practice for people. And it's a great image that at halftime, teams would, you know, take a break. And everyone would get up off their seats and they'd walk around the field. You know, they'd do laps around the field, walking and talking. So you can imagine, you know, Mary Jo. She wanted to get, get dressed in her finest clothes because you know everyone was gonna see her some people might have stayed seating some people were walking around you mingle so you would not want to be caught dead in last week's stole you know what i mean you want to be wearing the freshest kind of stuff and that's why it was so important for people to have this but i think ryan the the overriding thing about this whole story from the 1920s for me and i'll finish up the sort of recap now is that green bay are a small town team and they're owned by the people they're owned by the community right and why that's so amazing and it's so important is, is because it's the, like what happened, and again, I'm going to bring it back to Leinster rugby, or like anything, right? Like Man United or whoever, right? Is that there's no way the Packers would be still playing today if they hadn't stood up to the big boys back then and all through history and made a good stab at it who wants to support the team that are poor or, or losing or whatever especially in a place as cold as green bay so you had a team who was a tiny team david and goliath story and david was to stand up to the goliath and play good football i mean green bay if you look at it they've got the most uh, nfl championships they have the second most uh, pro football uh, hall of famers in the nfl with being a small team they've they're the only team to win the treble so they've won championships 1929 1930 1931 and then they did it again in the 60s with Vince Lombardi if the Packers hadn't been pulling their weight which was incredible for such a small team they wouldn't be alive today
1: absolutely um I think you should go uh saying as well when you're looking at some of those players going back uh, in the 1920s all decade team we had five well there was five members of that team that had played for Green Baver in the twenties or just after that made that team. Yeah. Um, names as, you know, that some of these you will have heard of, Cal Hubbard, uh, Laverne Dilwick, uh, Walt Keys, Mike Mikowski, and then obviously Earl Curly Lambeau. You know, that's that's the all decade team. Um, and, and there's five guys there associated with the Packers and that was in their early days. Yeah. Like I say this small town team it's quite impressive
0: the, the early 20s as well for the packers and we sort of you know we do a quick sort of run through the years but i mean the early days for the packers 1919 to 1920 they just waxed everybody in wisconsin and upper michigan but then when they got into the nfl you know the standard did take the jump because that's what the packers decided to do and that was a that was an ambition of curly lambo was like you say to have those all-star players and you can only raise to that level if you're playing in the big leagues and that's exactly what they did and what Ryan about that period for you kind of stands out and what what sort of fun little stuff did you uncover because we've been Packers fans and you know we like to think that we're we're terribly knowledgeable but you learn something new every day I mean what is it about that era that sort of excites you
1: yeah sure and I mean I'll I'll be wholly honest here I mean I know obviously from when I started watching it during the Brett Favre years to the modern day stuff obviously we all look at the 60s stuff because it's the Lombardi years but actually in all honesty i did i didn't know a great a great amount about this time and, and had to sort of look into stuff um certainly some of the things that, that caught my eye when i was looking through it some of those players names which you mentioned obviously you touched on some of maybe the irish sounding names yeah some of the ones i love are, are some of these nicknames where you've got uh, lyle cowboy wheeler <laughs> um howard cub buck yeah. you know that i just i think anybody that gets that nickname in the middle but my favorite here and i and i have to say i think i'd have been drinking a beer with this guy is henry tubby barrow <laughs> i mean this guy just just i I, and I again i couldn't find a great deal on him but uh he sounds like a guy i liked
0: <laughs> yeah and uh, what did he get that nickname right because he was tubby or is that a stupid question
1: uh I, well this is the thing i really couldn't find out i'm guessing he was a big guy yeah but uh you know big sex is always good
0: and do you know so. what's funny like I, I was doing a bit of research as well for the pod and i was looking at you know various articles around the place and one of them was someone right a few years ago uh, did a where are they now piece for the 1919 packers and i mean anybody could have said dead they're all really really dead now like why are you doing where are they now and of course everybody i think the the last one to die was back in 1974 or something but i mean <laughs> you're, come on dude like you're 30 35 years too late you know yeah that's,
1: that's uh, that always seemed like a wasted task
0: yeah it was fun but, to sort of find out though i mean what what else about the 1920s then ryan that did, did you like about well, the whole thing
1: firstly before before i get on to the, the, the favorite bit that i found one of maybe the more surprising stories that I, I came across um i think we should apologize to the people of scum who you said i think you referred to the team as almost a, was it an irrelevant was it i'll say yeah i went irrelevant,
0: irrelevant yeah now i'm sorry i've a complete ignorance to like okay. the Premier League. Okay. Right, where are scoring top are they something like second division or something i
1: no, I think they are down there, but it's you know it's the fact that you singled that team out, it you know specifically. So I think I think our for followers. Okay, over the <laughs> I'm you know, sorry to that
0: one Scunthorpe follower that I insulted, but if he doesn't <laughs> know his team are poor now at this stage, I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, he's pretty. He's probably just nodding along. saying <laughs> so, so, God,
0: this guy knows what he's talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's this guy on, and know my team sucks. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if you do suck. I don't really follow you. um yeah, one of the stories we found um, actually has a lot to do with the Bears. Yeah, um, And I didn't think I'd be doing a Packers podcast and They're actually talking about the Bears, but um, I came across a part in where, it, it, or a story I should say, they said that George Hallis originally in, I think, the 1921 season, mm. um, reported the Packers to the league for playing ineligible players.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. And
1: true. I'm thinking, well, hang on, you know, what you know, what's going on there? That's obviously where the, the rivalry starts and so on. So I start to look into that a little bit more. And actually I find out that he then, even though he reported us that season, coming into the 1922 season, it's actually George Harris himself who had originally reported us that then decides, you no, know, Green Bay need to be in the league. It's important for the town, important for the city, the people and so on, um, and important for the game of football. And he then actively campaigns to have us, uh, to have Green Bay allowed back into the league and to continue playing football. Mm. So I guess, yeah, from one point of view, obviously he's been a grass and he's told on us, but then obviously he then campaigns to have us back. It should be noted as well, according to the, the, the article I came across, and it's actually in the Chicago Tribune, mm. is that um, even though they then campaigned for us to come back into the league, they then actually went and signed one of the players that was a you know ineligible for the packers so i'm not sure still where i sit on that but actually then that starts off this whole story where where actually george house is quite involved in what goes on in green bay um right up until uh that almost the 50s and yeah. you know so i know we're talking 20s at the minute but that's sort of where it starts um so much so that at one point there must be a great respect between the two and and it and the article does go on to say about how um, the, the teams obviously always competed really hard on game day, and Halas himself, when uh, in in his coaching role, would you know scream at any Green Bay players and shout and 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 try and intimidate any players that came near his sideline. Yeah. But actually, for the rest of the time during the year, when it wasn't game day, that there was actually this great respect between the two. Yeah. Um, at one point, the Great Depression in America had um, Halas and the Bears really struggling for money to, to to basically pay the players. And it was Green Bay Packers who lent them money. So that, that was further on into into the 30s. But they actually gave them a $1,500 loan, which obviously back then is a huge amount of money. And they gave that to Halas and the Bears mm. so they could continue playing football themselves. And this sort of thing continued where they all looked after each other. And actually as I read onto it, and maybe we'll touch on this sort of when we do some of the other episodes going on, um, Hallis was actually uh, consulted, if you like, for a, a point where Green Bay were without a head coach. He was he was consulted by the Green Bay president at the time. And it was actually Hallis who said to take a look at Vince Lombardi, according to this article.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I mean, if these things... I'm guessing these things are true because, like I say, this is on the Chicago Tribune website. If you just search, you know, the, uh, George Hallis and, and, and the Packers, this stuff comes up. But but what a strange story, you know? This is our biggest rival at the moment. It's been our biggest rival for years and years and years. They originally reported us to the league, potentially getting us thrown out. He then campaigns to have us put back into the league. We lend the, the Bears money. You know, he campaigns on our behalf. Recommends Vince Lombardi. And there's also a bit that says when the league were thinking about taking the team out of Green Bay because they only had a tiny stadium in the old city stadium um, and they essentially it wasn't making enough money for the league. Again, it was Halas that came to the rescue of the Packers and, 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 and joined in with the petitioning of, you know, keep the team there, let's build a new stadium in Green Bay. The, the team needs the, the Green Bay and Green Bay needs the team. So it's strange that two absolute rivals have actually been had a history where they've both been linked in each other's success
0: yeah it is crazy and that's something that really stands out about this period it's funny isn't it it's almost like george hallis was and, and green bay needed each other to keep the fire going you know they were kind of it's like that thing of like oh well i could have knocked you out of the race but i kind of want you in it because i like beating you you know because yeah. if you look at it it was very one-sided right at the start i mean the bears were waxing the packers all the time
1: yeah yeah i mean it's one of the things it made, me, it made me think of in particular, and it's maybe not so much that they helped each other, but certainly it makes me wonder if it was something to do with... Obviously, our Scottish followers will know that recently Rangers had dropped down the Scottish Football Leagues and gone down to the lower divisions there. Yeah. Um, and obviously for Celtic and Rangers, there's always been this massive rivalry, similar to Green Bay and, and and the Bears. But obviously, when one of them left that league then the interest in Scottish football dwindled from from everyone else's point of view because there wasn't that there. And it almost makes you wonder if they realised that for each of them to be successful and have have the draw, then bear in mind you said obviously back then American football wasn't always taken so seriously. It makes you wonder if they realised very early on that they needed that. They needed to be there competing against each other. They needed that rivalry to have the interest and it was in both teams' interests for them to both continue
0: yeah because let me hit you with some like sort of little uh funny anecdotes about that because there's, there's so much history about george hallas the bears which were the chicago staley's from 1921 then became the bears in 22 and funny actually they became the bears because they admired the baseball team the cubs so you know bear cubs they became the bears and sort of a i think that mm-hmm. was fun right but the funny thing about the whole uh, ineligible player thing the packers did lose their franchise so in 1921 it was taken off them and it was only that curly Lambeau uh went back then in uh, later on in that year in 1922 and said please you know he wanted his own franchise they said no uh, they said to him you're gonna have to come back with a thousand dollars so he came back with 250 and 50 of that was his own money because apparently he sold his car and he got the other 200 as a loan went back and bought back the team and that's how he became the actual owner of the packers for a time now they'd struggle in 1923 um or sorry 1922 because they were seventh place in the nfl you know and it was sort of after you know really bad weather and really poor attendance because no one wants to go see a losing team that you know all the people in town did whip round all the business owners they raised two and a half grand and they kept the team going for for another while but funny about the halos story right as i sort of said before no one took the NFL seriously back then. I mean, even the whole controversy. Remember Super Bowl one, AFC NFC went against each other for the first time. Um, sure. You know, and they don't have full footage of that game because they taped over it with something else. And if you look at the sidelines, like that's the problem that they had even in the '60s was the fact that you know uh people weren't going to the games they didn't care you know they didn't see the super bowl as one as a big deal or like yeah whatever so they couldn't they couldn't film it from every angle because they'd see loads of empty seats and that was bad for telly so back then like you can imagine this was 40 years before that no one cared so if this game that was played in milwaukee that is the game that you're talking about where the packers played it was actually who they played was a, a player called anderson and the pro,
1: the story goes yeah,
0: yeah so Hallis wanted anderson uh, and he was a annoyed That uh, Curly Lambeau played him and Anderson was actually he played with Lambeau. The issue was they played ineligible players, and what it was is that these two players were active and uh, Notre Dame players, so they took them, they played them for the Packers. Now, I wouldn't mind the Packers got waxed that game like it was 0 20, I think they lost, and um, so it didn't really matter. But it was funny the college players for the Bears, right? The ineligible college players for the Bears recognized the ineligible college players for the Packers and said to Halas, hey, they're playing college players as well. So he went, all right. So the, the Chicago Tribune guys and all that the guys you're talking about in Chicago, they did not care to go to, uh, you know, um, Lam- to go to Milwaukee and watch this game. They they're they, they kind of slagging off the pros. So they had no interest. So the story went that there was a reporter there, he spotted them and all that. That's not true. What actually happened was, according to folklore, the college players from the Bears spotted the college players from the Packers. Told George Hallis. George Hallis said, "I want to get these lads gone." He thought if he kicked the Packers out of the league, they'd have to disband their team. Obviously, they wouldn't have any players. So then he would get Anderson for his team, which, as you said, happened. So he got the Packers kicked out. He stole their player. You know, it's such a dirty deal. And do you know what? And this is another one. And I don't know, you know, where the ear of people here, but I think this is really interesting like george hallis himself was an absolute dirty trickster and it all comes down to the 1921 the inaugural season the the number one season of the nfl which again wasn't the nfl back at the time and it's called a staley swindle have you heard about this Ryan? uh
1: no go
0: on scandalous right buffalo the team in buffalo right they're the buffalo all americans they'd won the apfa championship as it was called right they were first place and the chicago staleys uh were in second place so the season ended in december so Hallis turned around and said uh to the head coach of the buffalo all-americans said hey you know why don't we you know play a game because they'd already played them that season but the buffalo all-americans based in new york decided we're not traveling for a game all of our games are going to be home games and tough so they played all their games at home the chicago staley's decided to do the same so George Hallis turned around and said to the All-Americans owner Frank McNeil, or Frank McNeil, he said to him, you know, like, how, do you want to play again? And he was like, yeah, you know, we'll do some post-season games if you want. He said, yeah, we'll do some post-season. So the season, according to the Buffalo All-Americans, had ended, but they agreed to, you know, play the Chicago Staleys, you know, in December, and they said, yeah, sure, we'll we'll play you again, sort of a sort of an end-of-season hoopla so they played their last game and won the buffalo guys all-americans and they jumped on a train and they were to play the you know the staley's the next day right now as you can tell they're knackers there were no mood to play the staley's whatsoever they get down they play the staley's they lose 10 seven so then they play another game um and whatever happens in that game right but Hallis turns around and says to the other owners of the league the season wasn't over that wasn't a postseason game we were after beating the all-americans so we're champions and the guys in buffalo right Uh mcneil had come out and already bought uh all of his like you know they're basically super bowl rings he bought little gold footballs to give the players so he yeah. bought all of them he was convinced no oh, i won the game I, and he came out in the buffalo media before he even played the postseason games to say hey we're playing some postseason games right so Hallas had convinced all of the league no no no, no, no that, that counted he managed to convince the people and owners of the league to say that this is a new rule that he invented right he said if you play somebody and then you play somebody again the most recent result that you play them in counts more than the first result and they went yeah that sounds reasonable so then they said there you go chicago you have the title so they gave the title to george hallis and apparently till he's deathbed. The head coach of the Buffalo All-Americans was still trying to get the now NFL to overturn that verdict, but wasn't successful. So the first season of the NFL, which was, you know, the APFA back then, was won by the Staley's with this swindle, this dirty trick that George Halas pulled. And, you know, that's the guy that George Halas was. Isn't it
1: crazy? Do you know what I think? What's good there is, that I've done my bit to try and try and create some friendship between the two franchises, and and you brilliantly there have put it back to just pure <laughs> hatred for me. So I was starting to feel like, oh, this guy maybe wasn't a bad guy, and that's what I was trying to get the listeners to think. Oh, you know, maybe it wasn't all bad, you know, but actually, no, still hatred.
0: But he tried it again. He tried it again. He did it a few if seasons it, if it, later, if and it works
1: it, once, then do it. Oh, but
0: that's it. And you know what? The, the owners turned around and said, no, not having it this time. After you know the poor coach from the buffalo all-americans my god poor mcneil he went to his death uh, deathbed uh, trying to overturn it couldn't do it i mean the 1920s what a crazy time for football i mean it was so amateur so far away from the rules that we know now
1: do you think there was a lot of sort of uh brown packages with money and that sort of thing going on
0: oh you know they couldn't even fill the stadiums but another fun fact just when you were saying about you know the sort of bears packers rivalry and uh you know the bears sort of propping up the packers coming to town When they moved to their new stadium, so they closed the Hegmeister Stadium and they moved to their new one, uh, the capacity of that stadium was only 3,000. But when the Bears came to town, they they did a a crowd talk. There was 4,300 people in a 3,000-seater stadium because they hated the Bears. Isn't that incredible?
1: (laughs) And so do they today.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. Even back to the times of the Bellevue Stadium when it opened to today, the Bears still suck and the problem is is the Bears still lead the series in overall wins we were going to catch up on them last season but then we lost on the Thanksgiving game uh you know Brett Farr's sort of jersey retirement so we were going to draw level but because they bet us then we dropped two behind instead of one behind so again this upcoming season uh we're hoping to at least draw level with the Bears how sick is that
1: it would yeah I mean that's gonna be amazing it's, it's such a long such a long rivalry and such a long series and uh yeah obviously we can't ever be truly happy until we're in front
0: no absolutely not and a fun thing that sort of struck me from the 1920s as well as what i like to look at is i was interested i mean who scored the first touchdown who kicked the first field goal who you know did all of this and you're not going to be surprised to know that curly Lambeau had his hand in all of them just so, about everything yeah uh, everything like it they so they won their first game in 1921 uh the year of the staley swindle but they only ended up sixth place but Again, the first forward pass in Packers history, and it fell incomplete to one of your boys, right? Lyle Cowboy Wheeler. Uh, It it was meant for him, fell incomplete, and again, Curly Lambeau came off his hand, so he threw it. Uh, Buff Wagner, or Wagner, if you want to be a purist, uh, he had the first reception for 18 yards. And again, it was a pass from Curly Lambeau. Um, And it was a fullback, Art Schmackle is his name. Uh, sorry art if you're listening if i crucified your name there he got the first packers touchdown it was a four yard run and again um lambo then converted that and it was cool right so the extra point that he scored wasn't on a tee someone holding it it was a drop kick how brilliant is that as well like
1: that's awesome yeah you you, that's really gone from the game now who's the last i've got one for you who was the last guy to uh score a successful drop kick
0: Uh, if i'm right it's doug flutie Oh, New England Patriots I, I, had you. I think that was his last um Play in the NFL for the New England Patriots, yeah. yeah. But you know what? It's incredibly hard to do because back in the day, back in the 1920s, the ball that they used was much fatter. It was more like a rugby ball that they have now. So it's far easier to drop kick. Whereas now in the NFL, with how pointy the ball is and how it's changed, it's nearly impossible. Once that spike hits the ground, the ball is very unpredictable. Which we can see from you know uh, kickoffs and all that kind of stuff. The ball goes
1: everywhere. Do you know what? You have to see when you, when you get over there this year and get in, into the into the Packers Museum. Look at the old kicking boots. Yeah, you know, I, I know. Obviously, we're, we're massive fans here of Jerry Kramer. Jerry Kramer is someone that obviously used to do a lot of kicking yeah. during his time. But the old kicking boots literally have a flat end for for toe punting the ball. Yeah, and I, I hate to think what it's like to kick in that style. But I mean, the boots look unreal. They must have been so uncomfortable.
0: Oh yeah, and even the way, if you look back at old footage of Kramer, and again, he was the leading point scorer. I think back in. I think it was maybe 1964 because he was the kicker. But it's such an awkward way that they go about kicking the ball. And again, <laughs> here, here's one for you, Ryan, then. Who do you think made the first field goal for the Packers uh, back first in 1921? Ever first ever field goal. <laughs>
1: I've got a list of players in front of me, but I have no idea who the uh, kicker is.
0: If you were to pick one player that you think had his hand. I'm going to go
1: Lambo. You're
0: dead right. Like Curly <laughs> Lambeau, the first field goal. And again, they got bet in that game 13-3 by you know, the fantastic team still alive today, the Rock Island Independents. They got bet by the Rock Island Independents. <laughs> uh, you know, Longer they you know lament that they're gone. Uh, they bet the Packers 13-3. But yeah, Curly Lambeau, first field, it was the first field goal attempt and it was they made the first field goal which again i think ryan from air you know we go over and uh, watch the super bowl and we usually hook up with the the kansas city chiefs fan group and uh, you kicked the last field goal in that game to win the game how did that go ryan
1: well, I should just set set the scene. Just <laughs>
0: you know when someone starts it setting very scenes and not go too well. <laughs> it
1: was a very windy day. There was a horrible crosswind. It was swirling all around. It was at
0: least two um, miles per hour. I agree. Yeah, my, it was, my it was hair was, a kick was mildly pulled about, <laughs> What
1: twenty yards?
0: Uh, well, I, if even.
1: The snap was good. The hold was good. The kick was up good, <laughs> and then it just 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 went away, left
0: that's so. something people have to get involved in if you listen to the podcast this is, you know now
1: this has been like three years and you're still not letting it lie
0: no of course not because you know what i fancy myself as kind of you know i play five side every wednesday um i leave the the missus and the baby at home i put on the you know the, the whole kit head out and play myself some five side, and the goals i remember forever and I, I thought i had a good shot at that but the big man stepped up i wouldn't stand in the way to bailiff anyway and I just i saw when i saw it in slow motion you know going slightly off right to the up you know we didn't have posts, so the, the guy standing there with his arms in the air That you know, doesn't sound as dramatic and sexy it went just slightly right of his index finger and it was gone and we've drawn we've drawn every game haven't we against the kansas city chiefs which is kind of very un-american maybe
1: yeah we've um yeah we've tied every game i mean because how we do it generally is we have a set amount of play, uh, drives each so rather than do it on because I mean we don't know what the time is, no one's keeping time. There's no referees, so it's just done on a set amount of uh, drives each. And yes, yeah, somehow I think we've managed to draw draw every time we've played them. Yeah. So
0: now it's good. It's um yeah it's very British. You know we we play till the sun goes down till there's no life really anymore, and then we go off. And again, don't make the mistake of not bringing a change of clothes for God's sake. I went and I brought a, a select number of stuff and realised that I was playing in the jersey I wanted to wear that night. You know, and just covered in muck. I looked like a nineteen twenties packer because I was just covered in, from head to toe in muck. Uh, but got it, great crack altogether, like.
1: Yeah, well, I have to. Have you got anything else you want to add? I mean, I, th- I think we've given it a good run on the twenties.
0: Yeah, given it a good run, um, and <laughs> really the only thing to to look at is, is that the the Packers started to really cr- you know crush it as they got later on in that decade. So I mean, the early times they were kind of getting bet, certainly getting trounced by the Bears. But once they start hitting, you know, the 1927 uh, season, they came in second that year. And it seemed like only a matter of time before they were going to dominate. They dropped down to fourth um, in 1928. But again, there were world champions then in 1929. And it was all up in lights. And they did the same then, 1930 and 1931. They wouldn't do it again. And I think that's why, you know, go back and look at, it's on YouTube, you know, the ice bowl with Vince Lombardi. And the main quote that you find from uh, the great Vince, is is that he says this quote always stands out in my mind this year we're going to repeat and that's what he keeps saying and he was chasing curly Lambeau's record uh, from back in the late 20s so it was an era and again sort of to i think to cap it off ryan is to just tell the story really about how the packers became to be community owned because i think where we kind of left it was that curly Lambeau had went after they got disqualified for using ineligible players and bought back the franchise and uh back in 1922 as i sort of said earlier in the pod bad weather low attendance uh loads of shopkeepers and all that came together and they said the best way for us to move forward and this is where the, the you know this is where people sort of say is, is the birthday of the packers was back in 1922 as such because um they raised two and a half grand and they became a public non-profit company and ab turnbull became their first president uh which is the post uh that mark murphy holds today um, and it was the year after that then that they still needed more money and it was in 1923 that they started doing the whole whip round for shares because do you know that before that what they used to do was they used to have a hat and they'd send the hat around the crowd like buskers and people would put money in the hat right and uh, so then they said you know that's not sustainable we're a public non-profit company now so in 1923 we had the very first public uh, stock selling there were f- you could buy one for five dollars each and bel- get this right how long is the list uh the waiting list for a season ticket for the packers th- were you told when you went to green bay
1: um i think i looked into getting on it and they said yeah, in just 36 years time
0: only 36 you
1: could be eligible crazy for a season ticket listen and in 36 years time i would be <laughs> 67 um so i yeah I, i'll be honest with you i didn't bother
0: No, because people will them to their kids. Like, you know, they're a big commodity. But get this, back in 1923, when they did that first stock sale, right, for $5 each, then they said to you, you're not going to get a dividend. This is just free money to us, right? It was compulsory that you had to also buy six season tickets. I mean, can you you (laughs) imagine? Like gold dust now. And I wonder, is there anybody you know out there now whose family was involved way back when who bought the first
1: from Berlin, yeah. can you
0: imagine or having that sort of share uh, piece of paper because ultimately like i've heard people say that piece of paper is worthless or priceless depending on how you look at it and certainly from pack nation that would be a priceless piece of merch
1: oh absolutely i think yeah somehow if they if they do another one then uh somehow we have to get our names on it
0: well, well done. You made it to the end. And what did you think? Did you like it? We have so many other history podcasts for your listening pleasure. So do go on and check them out. Plus loads of fun interviews. So that's all from us again from this Friday. A bit of a blast from the past. So from myself, at NFL, From my past self, at NFL, From my old buddy, Ryan J. Peacock. It's goodbye for this week. Talk to you Monday.